Okay, good morning. We are on top of Yutes Amad Aleph. The share today should be as a refuah shleimah for all those who were injured in Eretz Yisrael and for the return of the Shvuyim. Kodesh Baruch should continue to be mirachim on us and protect our brothers and sisters there and Tzahal. should also be for Elin Hashem for my grandmother, Tila Chaya Bas Moshe Yosef Moshe, who's still within the Shiva. Okay. So, uh, we are on Yutes Ahmed Aleph. We are only, how many lines down are we? We are three lines down from the top. And we were discussing yesterday about um, whether there's any connection, whether there's any knowledge of those who are in the Olam MS, whether they are aware of what's going on down here on earth. So we are three lines from the top. So Amr Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak says, um, uh, actually, yes, I'm in the right place. Okay, so anyone who talks negatively about someone who already passed, it's if you're talking about a stone, meaning it has no impact. You talk about a stone, the stone is inanimate, it has no uh, knowledge of what you're saying, it's not moved, it's not insulted, it's not degraded. So speaking about a mace has the same uh, impact, meaning nothing. Which, which basically means that there's no, uh, they're not aware of what's going on. Ikadarmi, there are those who say, Deloyadi, even though they don't know what's going on, when you talk about a mace in a negative fashion, even though they don't know what's going on, um, even though they don't know what's going on, uh, sorry, even though they might know what's going on, they don't care. So either the two possibilities, when you speak about someone who already passed, you're like speaking about a rock, what does that mean? Either it means that they are not aware what you're saying about them, or even if they're aware, they could not care any less. Gemara continues, Aini, is it really so that they mace him, someone who's on the Olam MS, does not really know what they are being said about them, or if they do know, they don't care? There was one person who spoke very defamatory about Shmuel after he passed. And a big rod, a steel rod from a house fell on him, and unfortunately, it split his head open and killed him. And clearly, if Shmuel wasn't offended by this, Shmuel would not have orchestrated, or the Malachim wouldn't have orchestrated, that this guy died such a gruesome death shortly after saying these uh, derogatory, defamatory comments about Shmuel. So clearly, they are aware of what's going on in this world. Otherwise, this guy would not have been exacted punishment on him so soon after his uh, negative statements. The Gemara says, Shiny Tzorba Merabonon, that's a unique case. Shmuel was such a high level. He was a tzaddik and he's a tamachacham. Yeah, that's because the Kodesh Baruch took offense. He took umbrage. When you knock one of his uh represents their walking Sifrei Torah, so Kodesh Baruch is going to intervene. So that's not necessarily proof the fact that we're on top of Yud Testament Aleph. Uh, three lines down. So the fact that uh, this guy met a gruesome death shortly after speaking negatively about Shmuel is not necessarily right. That proof that everyone knows what's going on in that world, uh, they're not aware of what's going on in this world, just that that may have been a unique exception. The Gemara continues. Anyone who speaks negatively about after they have passed, the Pasuk says, um, they're destined uh, to go southward, meaning to go to Gehenim. They're going to go to hell, Shinemar. Those who return to, uh, who turn to perverseness, Hashem Hashem will drive them with those who commit averos to uh, to Gehenim to, to to hell, and then the pasuk ends off Shalom al Yisrael. What's the Shalom al Yisrael? 
Afilu Bishah, even at a time, Shashal Mesrah, where there is quiet, meaning that the tzaddikim can no longer uh, voice any opposition and defend themselves when they are being degraded, even at a time when they, meaning after they die, if you were to speak negatively about them, Yolichim Hashem is Pali Avin. Baruch Hu will take up their cause and he will drag you to hell. Uh, and therefore, we see that uh, even if after someone dies, one should not disparage them, certainly, certainly, uh, in, in all circumstances, but certainly never regarding a Tamechacham or a Gadol. Okay, now we're going to get on to a, a topic, it's sort of a side topic, but we're going to discuss a lot about it, because it's a fascinating topic, and uh, we're not going to hit it. Uh, we mentioned a couple things about Sota, but... Uh, well, we're not going to hit it that often in this in this sugya in this masachta. So I decided to uh, to use it as a launching pad today to discuss a little bit about sota. So let's start the next gemara. Tonis be bishmal. Bishmal says as follows: Imra isa tamechacham If you went ahead and saw someone a tamechacham who went ahead and committed an avera at night. Now, why does he say specifically at night? Presumably because he did it quietly. It wasn't done in the public marketplace. It wasn't done bifnei rabim. Wasn't done to the in the front of many people. In the presence of many people it was done quietly. In privacy, Al Bayom. So you saw him, but he didn't do it. You maybe just saw him hiding in a corner, uh, but the uh, the average person uh, did not see him. When you see this Tamechacham the next morning, don't think that uh, that maybe he did tshuva. Al Bayom Shem Asachuva. Don't don't bichoshishim. Uh, it's possible he did tshuva. In other words, he didn't have at night. Uh, you saw him, no one else saw him, and you see him the next day, and you can start to have negative thoughts about him. So Gemara says, don't have such negative thoughts. We all slip once in a while. We all fall off the wagon once in a while, but I'm sure, most likely, he has done tshuva. The Gemara says, Shema, you think possibly he did tshuva? Shema sakotaitach? Elevadai said tshuva. You shouldn't think that maybe he did tshuva, and therefore you shouldn't have negative, uh, negative um, impression of him. He most certainly did tshuva. The Gemara says, by the way, why did it say specifically at night? It's an important lesson here, because if someone does an Avera during the day, and they do it in front of Rob, in front of many people, then you must do Tshuva in front of many people. If you're going to do an Avera privately, where no one else sees, then you can do Tshuva privately. So the fact that he saw someone do an Avera at night, and you never saw him do the, the uh, Tshuva publicly, because he did it privately, the Avera, so you could do Tshuva privately. So therefore, if you see him at night doing an Avera, you should assume that the next day, by the time you see him ready, he already had charat, he already had regret, and he already did tshuva. As, good, very good, very good. Um, right. Yeah, you, so in general, well, it, it, there's multiple possibilities. So in general, there's two different types of tshuva, right? The, the Rambam is mechalik. If someone does a, an avera bin adam lamakom, you can go ahead and do appeasement to Hashem. If you go ahead and do a Avera, Ben Adam Nechavero, you insult another person, you do not achieve Kapara until until you appease your friend. So it's not just asking the Kaddish Baruch That's why we say in Tefillah Zaka, we just said before uh, Yom Kippur and every Yom Kippur, when we ask for, for Kapara, uh, Mechila from Hashem, things that we did and we ate non-kosher, that's between us and him. When Mechal Shabbos, that's between us and him. But if you go ahead and you slander somebody, you stake money from them, you do something uh, you, even worse than that, you have to go ahead and appease them. So there are different types of tshuva. So to your, to your point, Elliot, if you go ahead and you embarrass Hashem publicly, then you have to do tshuva publicly. So everyone, the people that saw you do it, have to see you do the tshuva as well. If they saw the event, they see the tshuva as well. Wouldn't it be a korban like the time? At that time. At that time. But not if, right. So if you do it publicly. Okay, so the Gemara continues. Gemara says, Vahani Mili, when do we say? 
that a person should not be have, be suspect that this person did not that this tamachacham when he did an avera that he maybe that he didn't do uh, that uh, only when he's bedvarim shabagufo only when you when he did something for, between him and Hashem basically between him and, and his body that's when he did shuva privately aval to to your point Elliot aval b'mamona when if someone stole something from someone adam that you can't assume that he did tshuva unless he returns the money. Now, there's certain things that you have to make someone whole. You have to give restitution. You could cry today till tomorrow if you stole a hundred thousand dollars from someone, and you dive into Hashem, forgive me, forgive me. Until you make that person whole who you stole it from, then you can't. Uh, it's not do, considered doing a full tshuva. Okay, here's what we're going to talk about. Amr Yeshua ben Levi, twenty-four different places throughout the Torah. Bezdin Minadin Al We see that Bezdin put someone in Khairim. Khairim was excommunication. They put a Khairim on him. He was not allowed to be he cannot associate with him. He can't marry his kids. Al Kvodarov. Based on the fact that he was disgracing the cover, the honor of a Rav. In this case, talking about Hashem. The Kulan Shanino, and not just Hashem, but also Tamid Khachamim. The Kulam Shanino Mishnateinu. And all four twenty-four cases where the Chachamim imposed the Chayrim and excommunication on someone for violating or disgracing or transgressing on the honor of a Rav, including Hashem, then uh, all 24 list in the Mishnayas. So, Amr Lezer, Lezer says to Rav Levi, Hey Chan, where are these 24? So Amr Lehi said to him, Go look for them, and when you find them, you let me know. Nafak, so that's in fact what Rav Lezer did. And he only he searched and he and he did uh, investigated and he only found three cases. What were those three cases? One is Hamizalzel Benatilas Yadayim, someone who went ahead and was Mizalzel and washing one's hands before eating bread. This was a takana before eating bread that we don't we don't uh, transfer tuma, and therefore someone who disgraces this and belittles this act that the Chachamim instituted. By, by, by not washing your hands, you're basically saying the Chachamim are powerless, they didn't know what they were doing, and you would be imposed Chayram. Number two, Vamisapra, someone who talks, Rechilos, gossips, Achamitosan, Shalamite Chachamim, after Tamachacham passes away, say, you know, he really wasn't such a great tzaddik, he wasn't really that great, I saw him do this, I saw him talking during davening, I saw when an Ani came and he gave tzedakah. If you talk negatively about a tzaddik after he dies, you're also going to get Chayram. And which, that obviously relates to our Gemara. And the third one is, Someone goes ahead and is chutzpedek uh, regarding Hashem. So these are three of the 24 examples he found in the Mishnahis that one would get chayrim. So the Gemara gives this, goes on to discuss the second example first. The second example is if you talk negatively about a Tamachacham after they die. So the Gemara says, What's an example? What's an example of someone who speaks negatively about a Tamachacham after they die? That warrants chayrim, warrants communication. So the Gemara says, "This now we learned the Mishnah in Adios as follows: By Akavu ben Mahalal, but Akavu ben Mahalal is the famed. He probably gets more notoriety in a good way, I should say, more famed than any other Tana, because we say Akavu ben Mahalal Omer, We say this every day between Minchamariv when we say Kaddish. So Akavu ben Mahalal is a is is in the Hall of Fame. What? Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Bechani ben Kashi. Thank you. Correct. You are correct. Thank you. Kavim Mahalal was someone else. Is in Perkiyavos. Correct. Bechani ben Kashi. Thank you. So Kavim Mahalal also a fame is mentioned in Perkiyavos. Thank you for pointing that out. Kavim ben Mahalal. I just thought of that now, but you are right. So Kavim Mahalal says as follows. 
He says, who Omer ain't mashkin, he would say as follows. Uh, we do not give the me sota, we do not give the uh, sota any to drink. I'll discuss it in one second. We do not give the uh, sota uh, water, the sota water to a giyaris and not to and, or a freed slave. Just to backtrack a second. So if a husband is suspect that his wife uh, was secluding herself with another man, and that she may have had an infidelity. He and he gets it says a vikines ishtoas, a, a a spirit of jealousy overtakes him. Then in front of two adim, he has to warn her. He gives her warning and says, "You cannot seclude yourself with this person anymore." The two adim come to him and say, "We saw your wife seclude herself again." Now they didn't see necessarily any act. The doors were closed. But you told her in front of us not to go ahead and be in a place to isolate yourself. Correct. But more than that, in other words, she already did it once. He was choshesher. Now under under uh, Eidos, he warned her. He got of a straw, and she did it again. So he's allowed to bring her to Bezdin and force her to. We'll see. Have her drink mesota. Mesota with water was basically they took a little bit of the earth from the Besamekdash. And they wrote uh, this Parsha of Sota, which is found in Parsha's Nassau and Bamidbar. They took the parchment and they put it about this Parsha. They took the parchment, they wrote this Parsha, and they put it in the water together with the dirt. And Hashem's name would dissolve. And then she would drink this water. And the story goes that if she was found guilty, it would be poison to her. Her legs would swell and her belly, belly would swell and she would explode, basically. And she would die. And if she was innocent, nothing would happen. They gave her a chance to... To, uh, to perfect, perfect. We'll get, we'll get to that. Perfect. So now, the question is as follows. The question is as follows. It, um, it says in the beginning, you only do this for B'nai Yisrael. So, so the Mishnah says there, Makavi ben Mahalel Omer, We never give this water. We don't make her drink if she's a Gioras, because she wasn't part of Benos Yisrael regularly, initially. And a Shifka Kananis, who is freed, also doesn't get it, because it doesn't apply. They're excluded from the Pasuk. The Chacharim say no, Mashkin. The Chacharim say we do allow them. Any woman who's now part of Knesset Israel, right? Amavria, after she gets freed, Shifka uh, Kanais, I mean, after she's freed, can become can become a, a Jewish. And obviously, Gioras can become, even though they didn't start out the way, they're now involved in Knesset Israel and they're married. And if the, if the uh, sequence of events occurred, then the, they too can be given this drink. So the Chachamim said, the Chachamim said to Akavia, there was this woman, either she's from Karkamis or she, her name was Karkamis, whatever it was. She was. She was such a woman who was freed. She was a, a, a non-Jewish slave who became Jewish after she was freed. And now she was suspected of committing this infidelity. And they wanted to give her to uh, they wanted to give her this drink. Shmaya and Atalion. Shmaya and Atalion were the Nasi and the Beisav before Hillel and Shammai. They were Shmaya and Atalion were great people, and they decided to give it to her. So, so the Chachamim say, you must be wrong. Obviously, you give it to a freed woman because Shemayin Avtalion gave this woman to drink and she was a freed slave. And Akavi ibn Hal says, you don't do that. So when they brought this proof that we see that the great uh, Shemayin Avtalion gave this woman something to drink, they said, you must be wrong, Akavi. You know what Akavi answered them? He says, Dugma Hishkua. You know why they, you know why they gave this woman to drink? Because they were gayrim themselves. And because they were gayrim, they felt bad that, that this woman's a, a giyaris and she shouldn't get it. So 
because they're geirim, they gave it to her. But that's not talacha. That was obviously a very derogatory thing to say about Shema and Avtalia. And therefore, because Akiva, Akavya said, that's not a riot, that's not a proof against me, only reason Shema and Avtalia gave it to her is because they're in the same boat as she was. And they don't want to feel like they're being discriminated against by the Torah, so they, gave, they said, give her. But that's not talacha. Because he said something so uh, devastating uh, and negative against the Shemayin of Tayon, Benidu, they put him in Cherem, Umeis Beniduyo, and he actually died in Cherem, Fisaklu Bezdin es Aaron, and Bezdin went ahead and stoned his Aaron. Now, it doesn't mean, by the way, they literally stoned it, it means they put a big stone on it, which was symbolic of him getting a skila. We'll see the next few lines of the Gemara discuss that he did not die. And you know, he's not even given cherem, but at least according to this gemara, he's given cherem. So I want to discuss. So clearly, we see that um, saying inflammatory or defamatory statements about people who died certainly tamidah chachamim is certainly uh, cringeworthy and deserves to be punished. So I want to discuss a little bit about sota for the next few minutes. So just to start off, there's a, a famous medrash that has an amazing story. It says the medrash in Dvarim Rabban and Sefer Dvarim says there was a Friday night where a mayor was giving a shear. They typically do. They gave shear on Friday night, and there was one righteous woman who was in attendance, and the shear was so prolonged. By the time she got home, the Shabbos candles had already come out, had already burnt out, had been extinguished. So her husband told her, "You are not allowed to come back into my house until you go spit in the face of Rabbi Mayer." The Medrash says that Elio Anovi came to Rabbi Meir and told him what happened, what transpired between the husband and wife. And Rabbi Meir devised the plot. He said, he came out, till he saw this woman davening. She was, didn't know what to do. She was standing outside, crying, davening, pleading. So Rabbi Meir walked over to her and said, I have this ailment in my eye. Do you know how to fix it? She says, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how to fix it. He says, I know how to fix it. If you spit in my eye seven times, it's going to cure my ailment. Spit in the eye of Rabbi Meir. She goes, please, I need, I can't see right now. If you do that for me, uh, I'll feel better. Okay, so if the God of Lador tells you to spit in his eye, spit in his eye. Kachava, she spit in his eye seven times. And Rabbi Meir said to, him, to her, he says, when you get home to your husband, tell him you told me to spit once in his face. I spit seven times in his face to fulfill your, uh, to fulfill your, your wish. Then when the Talmudim heard how Rabbi Meir uh, degraded himself and debased himself. For, they were very upset. And he said as follows. He says, If HaKadosh Baruch was willing to have his name erased to promote Shalom Bayis, Mayor, calling himself in the third person, Mayor, Mayor can also go ahead and should be able to disgrace himself and be able to be embarrassed in order to promote Shalom Bayis. So it's a tremendous, we're going to see this, uh, this Kabbalah Homer many times, three other found places in Shas I found this morning on 5 a.m., that, that employ this, uh, this Kavachomer, that if Hashem is willing to erase himself, the Shem Hashem, which is obviously is an Isser, the Arisa for us, we're not allowed to go ahead and erase his name. The one, sin, the one instance where we are is to promote Shalom Bayes, because when we put the, the parchment in the water, Hashem's name is erased. And so Rabbi Meir used this Kavachomer, if Hashem could do it to promote Shalom Bayes, I can do it for Shalom Bayes, yeah. Just to go back, you said, at, before you started, the Sotas part is that the one rabbi said, negative things about a, a dead rabbi to go into Kherim. But all three of those rabbis were alive, presumably. Uh, no, no, they're talking the about... The one that died in Kherim, and they put a stone on him, he, but... Right, so they, when they were having the Machlokas, so Kavit Minhala was arguing with the Chachamim, whether you, you, you force the woman who's freed yeah. to give... So the Chachamim said, I'll tell you what, in the past, I know they're no longer alive. 
But Shmai and Avtalion, when they were the Nasi and the, the Avbezdin, no, when they were the Nasi and the Avbezdin, they went in. So he says, what kind of proof is that? They're Gerim them, themselves. No need to apologize. But, 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 but in that case of the Gerim, were they, were they fully converted Gerim? Like were they, they must have yeah, been because of they married uh, a, a Gerus a Gerus. There's no such thing that you can't do half Gerus. Right. right? Even today, as a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's not a small thing. If you have someone who says, I want to convert, except I do not want to, let's just say, I will not be mocked on filling. I'm going to keep shops and everything. You, we don't accept Gerus today for, for partial. So if you can say, I'm going to do everything, I'm going to keep 612 mitzvahs. Isn't that better than, than seven mitzvahs? I'm going to keep 612 mitzvahs. Because the original Pasuk says Dabrel Bene Israel. And in other words, in other words, the Pasuk itself limits it uh, to, oh, uh, to, the, to the learning is to the exclusion of someone who's not part of the yeah, Kehila. Does that does that limit apply everywhere? This Right, so so for this one, it does uh, does it apply everywhere? I mean, no. Clearly, we have mitzvos, right? We say that a that a um, that evikanani is chayiv mitzvos like in isha, right? So they are obligated. It's not that they're not included in everything. Specifically for this limud, they're excluded from from sota. Reb Chaim Velazhner was once asked. Reb Chaim Velazhner uh, was once asked why he spent so much time with uh, couples, giving them therapy instead of learning. He was the gadol, and they asked him why. He said, the Gemara in, Sota Daf, the Gemara in uh, Yuma Daf Yud Gimel says that when we say Shimon Esrei, we take three steps back. And the first words we say is, Ose Shalom. He says, sometimes in order to make peace, you have to take a step backwards. And so even though he stopped learning, it, wasn't, it was really to make peace. And he used it from the basis of, of Shimon Esrei. It's a nice story. So he was very involved. Mechaim Velezhner was very, very involved in, uh, in uh, counseling uh, couples to, uh, to stay married. So I want to discuss a little bit about Sota. Um, so we know, we just discussed, that if a, if a woman is actually found guilty and she drinks this potion, it will wind up uh, killing her. The interesting thing is, normally in Jewish jurisprudence, jurisprudence is knowledge of the law, we always rely on facts. This is the only case in the Torah, Sota that is, where we rely on divine, miraculous intervention to tell us the verdict. If she blows up, she's guilty. That's, that's not a specific case. That's what we don't know what's going on. It's not, usually they didn't, but that's not specific to one certain case. In other words, if you don't know the halacha, sometimes you can ask them. But it's not a category of halacha that says every time you, you rely on this. The Ormah Tumah is when we weren't able to find out certain things they didn't know. But here, every single time, it's not based on facts. It's a suffix. It's, it's a suffix. Oh. oh, it's a suffix. So, but one second. But normally, time out, time out. If someone goes into their house on Shabbos, and comes out with, uh, with uh, all of a sudden the radio on. We don't say because you were secluded, you have to drink now. It's going to tell us whether you turned on the radio or went on by shop's clock or smart, or smart uh, apparatus. If you didn't see it, you need Aiden to actually see what happened. Here, she closed the door. And they could have been talking about uh, economics. Who knows? Fine. So, so here's the only time we actually rely on, on human interventions, uh, divine intervention. If, if it doesn't work. Correct. So she was so found not, gives, not to be guilty. The way, correct. If she, correct. So that's question number one. In other words, from from Har Sinai onward, there is no room for prophecy, for signs, for divine, for nisim in the Jewish courtroom. It's always been hasra, adim, and facts. Right. Okay. Number two. Question number two. Punishment seems very harsh. It's not really factual. 
we degrade her, even if she's not found guilty. The embarrassment is tremendous. She's in front of everybody. You have to rent her clothes. You have to. Uh, she has to drink. She's she's called basically a a you know a harlot in front of uh, in front of the in front of everybody. She's vindicated. She's rewarded. I understand, but that's an embarrassing process. Now, where else do we put someone through into the mud and then we say, oh, we brush you off. You know, you're you're good. It's an embarrassing thing. It's very atypical. So before we even go down this journey, let's just understand. Anytime you you, you question the Torah. And uh, judging the, the, the Torah Kedosha, the eternal Torah, is a dangerous uh, proposition. And uh, we don't always understand the ways of Hashem. And what we color fair is really defined based on our own experiences. So what we decide, who's, who are we to decide what's fair and what's not fair? So, um, right, there, there's, there's a, we discuss this multiple times. Things that we never punish based on a Kalva Chomer. Right? We don't have the logic. For example... There's a halacha that by Molech, if someone, not unrelated to this, but if someone, Molech was a, uh, a deity, a Vodazara that they used to worship by, um, no, that's Balpor, by, by, per, by burning children. And the Chumash says that if you burn a child, Lo Aleinu, to this, to this um, sadly, it's too relevant today, but if you burn a child and you, and you sacrifice him to Balpor, you're Chayv Misa. If you sacrifice two of your children or three of your children, you don't get Misa. That's totally counterintuitive. If you kill one of your children to Molech, you get, you get killed. If you kill two or three or four or five, you don't get it. How does that make sense? Does it make sense? So the answer is because if you kill one, it's bad enough, but we'll give you Hashem, we'll give you Kapara. Once you kill two, three or four, you don't deserve death because that through death, if it's by the hand of Hashem, you get Kares, you actually are, or 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 the Arba Misos Bezin. You're getting mechila through that, and we say you're not, you're going to burn in hell eternally. So what seems to us as logic is not the same logic as Hashem. So we're not in a position to always judge Hashem. So those are the two things. Those are the two caveats that we have to um, that we have to mention before we go down this uh, down this path. What's, now, what's worse, uh, Gehenim or Karis? What's worse? So Karis is they, they consider uh, the worst because Karis also affects your children's, right? Your legacy and, and you may... There's my focus what Karis is, is dying before 60, dying before you're supposed to die, dying without children. I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not in a position to say it's actually worse, but uh, Karis is considered uh, is pretty bad. Obviously, Skila is... All the measles Bezdin, you, you're dying right away. Skila is considered the most severe of the four of them. Skila is free of So now... The Pesukim themselves, if you look in Bamidbar Parakei, there's a lot, it's a lo- lengthy uh, uh, discussion, a lot of Pesukim that are dedicated, a lot of real estate is taken up by Sota. But the Pesukim themselves seem very, very um, uh, ambiguous. And as follows, listen to the words. It says here, Daber el B'nai Yisrael, Eliyad, Daber el B'nai Yisrael, that's how we learn specifically B'nai Yisrael and not to the, anyone who's not part of Kla Yisrael. It says, Isha, Ishta, Kitista, Ishta, when a man or a woman uh, goes astray and, and broken faith. She went ahead and she broke the faith with him. And another man had intimate relations with her. But her own husband didn't see it. So right away he cast doubt. He didn't see it. The Torah is telling us it happened, but the husband didn't see it. And there is no witness. So there's no witness. He didn't see it. We don't know that it happened. These words suggest that maybe it didn't necessarily happen. And then it says, Vihi nitma. The next part says, Vihi nitma. And yet she was defiled. The end of the part says, Vihi nitma. And she did not defile herself. In other words, the psukim are very unclear. Did she or didn't she? Which is really what we're dealing with. We don't know for a fact. If we knew for a fact, 
you don't have to give her the water to drink. And if you know that she didn't do it, then you wouldn't even be suspecting her in the face, so, uh, in the first place. So it's very, very unclear what exactly is going on. Meaning, that's all suffolk here. As, as, as I'm already said, it's a suffolk. We don't know what's going on. So let's just try to understand a couple questions and a couple halachas, and everything's going to make sense. So first of all, we know as follows. There's a three-step process here. A husband, all of a sudden, gets wind that his wife is uh, being, uh, uh, having, committing acts of infidelity, having indiscretions. And he's overtaken by a ruach kina, by a spirit of jealousy. And based on his actions um, with another man, he decides to go down this process. So first, he becomes jealous. Number two, then confronting his wife in the presence of two Aden, he warns her. And number three, these two Aden come and say, we saw your wife close the door at the, at the uh, Boca Raton Resort for the suite for the night. They came out the next morning. And all of a sudden now, um, he has to go through this process. So clearly, his suspicion is not out of the blue. Okay. Obviously, there's a. She acted in a way that would that would that would lead one to think that she acted improperly. In Gomorrah Sota, he could have been with her for thirty seconds. I mean, walk around a tree or whatever, just a small time. You don't have to spend the night. Correct. You don't have to spend. I'm just giving an example. Correct. But you're right. It doesn't have to be uh, a very long time. I think it has to be enough to be. So that's what we say for Yichud. At least nine minutes, whatever it is. Right. It has to be a certain time, which is the same thing Rav Moshe said about Chasan uh, Kala, whether in the Yichud room for a certain amount of time. Question is, why is only the woman subject to these laws? What about, the, didn't, presumably if she had adultery, there was a partner, it takes two to tango. So why are we putting everything on the woman? Why isn't the man? She's married. He explodes too. Okay, good. Good, good, excellent, good. So he's married also. Yeah. He's married also. So but he's allowed to have more than one wife. Oh, good, okay. But so let's see. Go, he doesn't go through the bush. No, I mean, uh, right, so let's see, good. So... This might not sound so good, but from a Torah perspective, a marital obligation for a man and a woman is very different, right? The woman is only allowed to have one husband. A husband can have more than one, more than one wife. <laughs> now, I say this with trepidation. This is not a, a, a carte blanche uh, allowance, permission. Mina Torah, a man can have an extramarital affair with a non-married woman. Midraban on his aser. So Mina Torah, right, you're allowed to have more than one wife. A man commits adultery, minatora, on a biblical level, only if he has relations with another married woman. If he has relations with an unmarried woman, it certainly violates the Rabbanon, but he's not violating a Deoraisa, as a, a biblical prohibition, as opposed to a woman, when she's married, she cannot have relations with anyone outside of her husband. So it's interesting. So the Sifri commenting on this Pasuk actually says something pretty amazing. He says that the May Ma'arim, these waters, these bitter Sota waters, only are effective if the husband is innocent. Even if she went ahead and was Mazan had adultery, if he also committed adultery with someone else, she won't explode. Only if he is innocent, Sifri says. So it's not just, just on her. Even more telling is what Ron said before. Ron said, quoting the Mishnah, Kishem Shemaim Botkin Oso, Kachamaim Botkin Oso. Just like the water, the, the, the water has a very uh, far reach. The, the woman can be in Colombia, and he can be in uh, Pakistan. And if they committed together, then not only will she die, that person who's thousands of miles away will also blow up. That's what the Gemara, that's what the, uh, Gemara says. Not, not just that, the Rambam codified this halacha. The Rambam says in two separate places in Hechasota that just like the water will check her innocence, it will check his innocence. Meaning the guy that she slept with, 
will also go ahead and explode. So it's not that it's just we're putting women on the, uh, under the microscope and scrutinizing them. The, the men are also. The Cheskuni comments that the carbon, that, uh, listen to what he says here. He says, we have to bring a carbon after, after you're, you're accused. And it says, The man brings the woman, his wife, who he suspects, after the, the Adam said that, that she was Mazana. He brings her to the Kohen, He brings a carbon for her. The Cheskuni says, The carbon cannot be for the wife, because Hashem never wants a carbon for someone, what we call here, um, We say the carbon of a Russia is an abomination to Hashem. So if she really committed adultery, one of the uh, Aseros Adibros, Shem doesn't want her karbanos. The fact that you bring a karbon must be that's coming for the man. We'll see what the man did wrong in a second. But it's so there's there's no he's not completely um, he's not completely infallible. There certainly is there, there certainly is some. Um, he dies too. If it's, not the husband. I'm talking about the, the person that she was mazana with, right? She, yeah, her, oil, she, right. The guy. Correct. We just said wherever he is, if she's gonna blow up the guy that she was mazana with, we're not talking about the husband. If he has relationships, it's not it's not no. adultery. They're married. So the person could be, her, her, her lover could be somewhere else, and they, yes, they will both blow up. But here it's saying now, when the husband comes and brings the wife to the Kohen and saying she was Mizana and she does this whole, starts the whole process, he makes the potion, everything, they bring a carbon. The Cheskuni says the carbon can't be for her, because the Pasuk says, Zevach Hashem any, any uh, Russia that brings a carbon, it's abominable to Hashem. So it must be that he's bringing it. So he's not a Russia. He didn't commit adultery, but he did something wrong. We'll have to see what he did wrong in a second. Yeah. So, but she's uh, she's not completely innocent. She was warned not to go into seclusion. No one's saying she's innocent. No, no. Let's say that she, with this this situation with the carbon. Oh, so you're okay. Saying, you're saying that okay, uh, she's she's if she's guilty, she's a Russia. You don't accept a carbon from right, Russia. Right. Right. But you could accept a carbon from someone who. Is not guilty. Warned, but she but didn't. But she didn't do. Went seclusion with him. Correct. Make her Russia, but right. Her so that's what Cooney says. Right. Okay. You're right. Hundred percent. In other words, it's not all or none here. It doesn't have to be just on the husband. Correct. Just, no, but not, no, no. It doesn't have to be that she actually did this. She. You bring the carbon, and may found out that she was innocent. Yeah, but if she did do it, then the carbon <laughs> would be for him. So there are some related halachas, by the way. So if a husband warns his wife in front of witnesses, is he allowed to recant that warning? The answer is yes. He could take back that warning. Um, and therefore, um, assuming, by the way, that she has not yet secluded herself with the Adam didn't come. Once the Adam come, the cat's out of the bag. The Adam come and say they, they, she was together with him, then they have to finish the process. Is it, is it two different instances where he would recant the one? No, he could just say, you know what, I, I feel bad. How many times is, unfortunately, you have domestic abuse and it's a Stockholm syndrome. He, the, the, the woman keeps coming back. So, yeah, maybe he just, you know, he, he suspects her, but he says, I'll, I'll live with it, whatever. That's before the Adam come and actually said that she was secluded. But he has to do that prior. Prior to the, he, after the warning, but before the Adam come back and say we saw. Ah, uh, so when yeah. we see Adam come, it's, it's done. Correct. Right that, now, now she cannot be forced. Someone said this before. She cannot be forced to drink the waters. She can say, "I'm not drinking the waters." In that case, she gets. She has to be divorced, and she loses her ksuba. If the if he relents at the last minute after your case, Jason, where already they said that she was. They also, and he says, you know what? I don't want to embarrass her. I know that the Adam said, so he can't recant and undo the whole possibility of Sota. She's now found to be a Sota. Even without drinking, he has to divorce her and he has to pay her the Ksuba. So if she, at the last step, she says, I'm not drinking the water, they certainly can't stay married. She was Mazana. So she doesn't want to die. So they have to get divorced and she loses the Ksuba. If he says, don't drink the water, he feels bad for her, then they have to get divorced and he gives the Ksuba. 
The big question is just two more points. The big question is we know Torah Loba Shemaimi. We know Sengbar Bab says that Hashem said after Arsinai that the Torah, once it's given, I remove myself, everything's in your hands, you make halacha. So much so that Baskals come out and say halachas like certain people, like Yochanan was a Shamusi, and he said, doesn't matter. They answered him, Torah Loba Shemaimi. You don't. How is this case? Yeah, so this is all Torah Shemaimi. This is Hashem's intervention. Why is this one case different? Why is Hashem willing to depart from the norm and say, this is the one case in halacha that I'm going to have divine intervention and it's not going to be the normal halachic process. Adim, if you see, yes. If you don't see, no. So it's interesting. So in fact, the Ramban actually agrees and says, this is the one case. He says, The Ramban says that there's nowhere else in the Torah that halacha is defined or will be decided on solely by Shem's miraculous intervention. Zulatia inyan except for this case of Sota, Shupela, Neskavu, and he goes on to say, because it's such an important topic. Basically, you should know, historically, by the way, when immorality became so rampant within Am Yisrael, the Gemara and Sota, Daf Mim Zayn, says the, the, the Sota water stopped to, to work. It was so rampant, it didn't have the effect anymore, it wasn't a deterrent, that they, they stopped working and they didn't use it anymore because unfortunately it was so rampant. Now, not everyone believes that Hashem's intervention is the driving force of Mesota. The Malachas Machsheves, who was uh, um Moshe Chayfet, says something amazing. He says, twice it says, listen to what it says in the Pasuk, Uvo The waters that the woman will drink of bitterness will induce the poison. It says that twice. He wants. He says that really it didn't have lethal capabilities. If you, there are people, I'm going to read what he says there. He says, an individual's mind and imagination can have great effect, translated from Hebrew, can have great effect upon his physical being. Often something can be imagined that is not so with such strength and effectiveness that the imagined phenomenon actually becomes real to the individual. And this is the intent of the text, that the Kohen should inspire fear in the heart of the woman in order that she confesses. He therefore tells her that she, the potion is bitter, that she's about to consume poison, and she imagines it to be so in her mind to the extent that when she ingests it, it actually is a poison. So it's not, we're able to go ahead and convince people by the power of imagination and fear that it actually is going to happen so that when she drinks it, it happens. The only question I had when I read this is about the, per, the guy in Pakistan if he doesn't know that she's drinking it, how does, how's it going to affect the guy, right? But anyway, and the, the Rambam actually says, the, the Rambam actually says all this was just to, to, to uh, when you see the, the process by which she goes through, is also a fear factor that you're going to embarrass her, you make her tear her clothes, and you, she has to uh, undo her hair, and uh, she has, by uncovering her head, and she's led around the mikdash being called a, a whore. Uh, all these things, that's going to embarrass her, that's going to induce fear. So it's not actual that it was a poison, that it actually worked to that extent. It was, the whole thing was just to make a public showing of her um, and, to, uh, and to embarrass her that way. I want to have one last point, which is absolutely ph- phenomenal. The question is still why. Why was Hashem willing to, uh, why was Hashem willing to deviate from the norm? So clearly, Shalom Bayis is central theme in the Jewish community, in the Jewish world. It plays such a central role that, uh, that uh, Hashem almost, it almost divine, demands divine in- intervention. We saw the logic that Rabbi Meir employed to, to embarrass himself, that if Hashem is able to, I can go ahead and embarrass myself. He's able to erase his name. I didn't get into it because of the lack of time. The three cases in Shas where people use this. Tanoam used the Svar. If Hashem was able to erase his name, then I can certainly go ahead and do this. But the Mepharshim says something. I want to leave you with this one point. It's an amazing thought. This will stick with you. 
The difference how you spell the word ish and isha. And we know the Gemara says that, that Hashem is Shechina, Shorah, much more with a Shalom Bayis. So how's that's peaceful? Ish is spelled Aleph Yud Shin, man. Isha, Aleph Shin Hey. The only difference is the Yud and the Hey. When you put the Yud and Hey together, it spells Hashem's name. When you take out the godliness from a marriage, what are you left with? Ish, fire. It's going to burn up. So when a man and a woman are together, the Yud and the, and the Hey together make Hashem, you feel the presence of Hashem Shechina. Once they lose the presence of Hashem's presence, meaning that there's no Shalom bias, you're left with Aleph Shin, Aleph Shin Eish, and unfortunately the house burns down. So we see the, the centrality of Shalom bias in, in Yadus, and it could be that's the reason where Hashem said, I'm not leaving this up to human intervention, normal jurisprudence to go ahead and detect, determine whether she's Chayev or not. And hopefully this whole process was so other people would say, hmm, look what's going on there. And it'll be, even if she was found guilty or not guilty, do we want to go through that process ourselves? I'm having problems with my wife. Maybe we should look at this and say, you know what? It'll also spur, it was such a public showing that it would spur people on who were watching it to say, how, how can we improve our marriage? What can we do better? And the reason the husband is not so innocent that the carbon comes for him is because he should have intervened a lot earlier on. Obviously, you don't get married after the first fight. She's already sleeping around. It doesn't work like that. Obviously, it's a domino effect. It builds up. So he should have looked in the mirror, did some introspection earlier on, say, I need to stop this. We need some intervention now. And, and the fact that he let it progress to that state where she was actually sleeping around, or even the point that he was suspect that she was sleeping around, that's his guilt, and that's why the carbon comes in his behalf. Okay. Have an amazing day. We'll pick up.